the Bible, God's good book. The very first book in God's good book cuts through the inflation of human nonsense every time. And one of the ways that God cuts through our inflation of nonsense is that he just simply identifies himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if you've never read anything about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that's what we're trying to get you to do, to read your Bibles better. Get in there and look at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because this is a funny family. This is God's funny family. And you got to get your sense of humor on. In Genesis chapter 32 uh, and chapter 33, God's family wrestles. You got to check this out. Come on in. Welcome to the Biblical Channel. We're just glad people show up and want to learn how to read the Bible better. And uh, you got to have a sense of humor, man, because God's trying to show you his sense of humor. And if you don't come to the Bible with a sense of humor, man, you are going to miss it. And we start from the standpoint that everybody wrestles with God. Wrestling with God is actually a good thing. You know why it's a good thing? Because God says it's a good thing. That's what we're going to find out here. Everybody wrestles with God, but I think the big question is, does God like wrestling? Well, it turns out that in the Bible, God gives us a surprising bit of information here in Genesis chapter 32 and 33. God likes wrestling, and God likes wrestling with his family. It's part of who he is, and uh, he invites us in to wrestle and part of our humanity is to wrestle with God and other people as well. But anyhow, a family that wrestles together stays together. If you've raised kids, you probably wrestled. Anywho, let's uh, before we go any further, let's pray the way the Lord Jesus taught us how to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day uh, our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil Aye, there's the rub thank you lord be with us and let us read with a sense of humor intact so that we get the most out of it so we can ring the chamois like god wants us to ring the chamois of life to the best of our ability amen 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 well let's just plow on forward genesis chapter 32 and 33 um, I suppose we need to begin with just a you know little bit of an attachment to where the story was. So check out last week's video if you didn't. But last week we had Jacob leaving Laban. So leaving Laban was uh, a great uh, end to a scene because Jacob's grown up. Jacob is uh, a man um, who is, is, is getting better and better all the time. He's not a perfect guy, but he's just getting better. When we met Jacob, he was rough. I mean, so rough. And, you know, he's still rough, but he's getting more polished. And, you know, that is life. And that's what's important to recognize. In fact, when he left Laban, um, we get this very interesting turn of phrase where, where um, you know, Laban tries to get him to, to uh, make a covenant with him. And Laban wants, you know, the God of Abraham and the God of well, Laban, uh, to, to agree to do no harm to Laban. And Isaac will have none of that. He, you know, he, I, I, it's kind of like he says, you swear by what you want, but only me. 
I'm going to swear on the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. So the, the fear of Isaac, you know, that little capitalized word fear in your Bible as we left uh, Genesis chapter 31 um, is, is referring to, you know, Jacob is growing. He is now understanding that God is with him and, and that he is not going to, you know, allow Laban's sloppy syncretism into the foray. He's not going to allow Laban to make him swear by a false God, you know. So, but, but he, you know, he lets Laban swear by whoever he wants to swear to. But for Jacob, he's growing and he's saying, no, 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 no. I'm just going to stick with the God of my father, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. That's who I'm sticking with. So, so it's this just great picture of loyalty as um, we leave uh, Laban. So leaving Laban then turns into, you know, chapter 32. And it's very simple. Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. And Jacob saw them and he said, this is God's camp. Um, so he called the name of the place Mahanaim. All right, let's just stop for a second. So we leave Jacob, you know, leaving Laban uh, on a high note. You know, he is he is making a, a stand for the God that he knows. He's, he's uh, you know, well, he's just being faithful, you know? I mean, just being faithful. And that's all God ever asks is that we're just faithful. Things may go well, things may not go well. And certainly Jacob's life was not going well. It was going well at that point, but, um, you know, he's just learning how to be faithful. And then he's on his way. And as he's on his way, it's really kind of funny because he sees angels of God. Okay. And the word angels and the word messengers is exactly the same word in the Bible. So it gets a little confusing in our own head. And I think the Bible intentionally um, confuses, you know, that word for us. Um, so that we have that idea when we think about angels, we should think about them as only messengers. Um, and when we think about messengers, well, we thought to think of angels. Well, it doesn't matter though. Jacob sees that these messengers are from God and, and, and he even sees it so much, but the text actually emphasizes a little bit stronger than what we get in our text. Um, you know, but he actually sees this camp, you know, and so it's like, you know, he's leaving Laban, but then all of a sudden he comes across camping God. God is camping, um, camping with the messengers, you know, I mean, you know, so he, he, he calls this place God's camp. This is God's camp, you know, so it's another high point for Jacob, you know, this is God's camp. You know, you, you can almost imagine, you know, him humming the tune, zippity doodah, like, man, I just left Laban, things are going good. Woo! Check that out. It's God camping. Man, look at me. I'm just zippity doo da, zippity day. Oh, you know, what a wonderful day. Um, you know, and so there's just this really, you know, fun way of starting this passage off as Jacob is, is leaving. He's like, oh, oh, hi, God. Uh, you know, huh, what a coincidence. You know, God's camping near me. Man, what a good day this is. It's a good day for a good day. Anyhow, so then the, the scene moves to the next scene. So Jacob's on this kind of high. He clearly knows that God's around him. God's camping nearby him. Everything's cool. Then all of a sudden, you know, he says, oh, well, God's got his messengers. I'm going to send my messengers. So remember, this is funny. You could almost just say, and Jacob sent angels before him to Esau, but angels are just messengers. So we assume that, uh, you know, Jacob just got the idea. He's like, hey, I'll send my own messengers ahead to talk to Esau. 
and let him know that I'm coming. Let's see how this thing goes. So then his messengers come back and report, um, you know, that that uh, they they met up with Esau, and the message that Esau gave him was was just colored in maturity, meaning that you know he he knows that Esau, the last time he saw him, wanted to kill him, and so he is he's being the mature one, and he is saying this is the message, you know, tell. Tell Esau that his servant, so remember he is the younger brother and that was part of the big conflab with why he was leaving on the run and why Esau wanted to kill him to begin with because he was very deceptive, him and his mother against him. And so so Jacob's all grown up and he's, he's being the apologetic one. He is telling his servants, his angels, he said, when you meet up with him, um, you, you, you say your servant Jacob, you know, is sojourning, has been sojourning with Laban uh, up until now. And he tells him, I've got donkeys and flocks and I've, I've done very well for myself. But, but he has this very humbling message that he wants his brother Esau to hear. And so the messengers get back and they're like, oh yeah, we met up with Esau. You know, Jacob's like, cool. Yeah, they said, we came um, to your brother and he said he's coming to meet you and he's got 400 men with him. Okay, Jacob just goes to a puddle of worry. Jacob goes straight to the worst possible scenario ever. Can you relate to this? Like you can be having a zippity doo dah day moment. You can feel like God is with you. Everything is going fine. And then all of a sudden you get another piece of information and you're like, oh my God, everything is going to hell. Uh, you know, oh, oh. Oh my God, he's going to kill me. So, so Jacob was great. It said, text says, Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And so he starts dividing up his people and his flocks into two different camps. And he's like, oh, Esau's going to come. If he attacks one, maybe the other one will go free. Oh my God, he's going to kill me. You know, so it's like desperation, doom, despair, agony on me. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have. Remember, this was... We went from zippity doo dah to doom despair in a pretty quick period of time. And that's part of what we're supposed to see. Kind of comical, right? And then, then Jacob, being all grown up, he does what he should do. And he prays. So, you know, um, you know he realizes there's no rest for the wicked, you know. So what's the best thing to do? Pray. And Jacob's prayer is an awesome prayer. Here's Jacob's prayer. Oh, God of my father Abraham and God of my father Jacob, O Lord, who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of the steadfast love and faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers and the children. But you said, O oh God, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sea of the sand, or the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for a multitude. In prayer. Oh, hey, that's a great prayer because clearly Jacob heard God and, and and there is no better prayer than to pray what God has actually promised us to actually put that into our prayer life that's why we just keep praying the Lord Jesus prayer because this is what God has promised us and so it's always good to incorporate what God has promised us in our prayer life and so Jacob once again showing that he's 
he's a growing man. And, and so he prays this prayer, which is such an awesome prayer. And he is repeating back the promises that God made to him. Okay, then then it gets, you know, really, and he's like, you know, remember what you said, Lord, you got to deliver me from the scene, you know, oh, things are you know, so bad down here. I'm just calling upon you that you might know where I am. Okay, he just got done, you know, passing by God's camp, you know, now all of a sudden he's not sure God knows where he is. So this is all part of the irony, part of the, you know, fun that's going on in the text. Um, and then it gets even funner because when he gets done praying, like many of us, when we get done praying, we feel like prayer doesn't work, you know? And so Jacob goes into planning mode. He goes into this, you know, elaborate game plan of how he is going to, you know, I guess mitigate the damage that Esau is going to do to him and his family. Oh my God. So the, the whole you know, sequence of events coming up is, is all a, a reflection on Jacob. He must feel like prayer doesn't work, so he's got to resort to his own means. Um, and he is planning on the worst case scenario, which I guess in some ways is kind of smart here on earth. But, but in this scene, it's pretty funny to see that movement of Jacob in his highs and then his lows and then his high and back to low. He goes, you know, like we all do. We pray our prayer and then we, we feel like, well, that didn't work. So I better get on to my own business here. Oh my God, he's going to kill me. So he starts making out all these plans. And it reminds me of that Bill Murray skit, you know, where, where he says, everybody get out of here. There's a lobster loose. Oh my God. Holy cow. He's loose. Everybody get out of here. He's vengeful. Quickly cover yourselves in hot butter and carry lemons just in case you have to squirt them. Um, and it might repel him. Everybody get out of here quickly. There's going to be a tragedy. Oh God. Oh, oh. I don't know if you've ever seen that Bill Murray skit, but it's hilarious. But Jacob is much like that. You know, he is he is declaring a full-scale state of emergency here. Um, and he is making all of his plans for the worst-case scenario. He's gathering up his hot butter and his lemons to squirt the lobster. And I say lobster kind of funny too, right? Because Esau is a red man, we a red hairy man. And uh, anyhow, so I'll, I'll leave that reference aside. Let's get to the really, really big action of chapter 32 and 33. And it goes like this. God wrestles. Okay, so here's the text. Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the break of day. It's like a Calvin and Hobbes scene. Boom, out of nowhere, and there's like a smackdown going on, a WWE event off the top ropes. Jacob is left alone. He sent everybody away. He's sitting there, you know, pouting or whatever he's doing. He's alone, meditating. And in his meditation, I'm sure he's thinking about God, and bam, you know, it's like Hobbes hits him out of nowhere, you know, and, and game over on and they start wrestling this man and jacob wrestle and it's an all night wrestling match you want to talk about getting your pay-per-view money's worth man this is an all night wrestling match and then the text says when the man saw that he did not prevail against jacob he touched his hip socket and jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him 
Now, this is funny because if you know anything about wrestlers, wrestlers can do without a lot, but they cannot do without a hip joint, you know. So his hip is now out of joint and, and um, you know, I, I, the wrestling matches over i mean over right now because a wrestler cannot wrestle the only thing jacob can do is hang on and that's what's funny is he does hang on but not not for, you know let's 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 pick up on this you know the man that's wrestling with jacob oh it seems like jacob is so powerful Ooh, jacob so powerful you know that this man cannot overpower him and then all of a sudden a little touch bam and the wrestling match is over I don't know about you if you ever wrestled with your kids or if you wrestled with your buddies, you know, when you're younger. As an older guy, I can't wrestle anymore. I'm going to get hurt, you know. Um, but wrestling, man, wrestling was, you know, for every every boy at least, and a lot of girls too. My girl, you know, my 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 wife's fondest memories was wrestling with her father. And and some of my fondest memories with my kids is just them all piling on top of me. We wrestled. We wrestled a lot. We even had we even made a room in our house with a mat on it. Um and, and that was the wrestling room. Okay, so but it, it is really funny that um and if you know anything about raising kids that you oftentimes let them, you know, feel like they're winning. And clearly this man is making Jacob feel like he's winning, that, you know, he's, he's not able to defeat him, but then bam, just touches his hip, puts it out of joint. It reminds us that this man is way more powerful than Jacob, you know, and so he wins the match at the end of the day. And I will just tell you this, when you wrestle um, with your kids or wrestle with people, you know, it's good to let them feel like they're winning. Um, but then there's moments where you got to let them know that you can win. <laughs> Both of those things go hand in hand. Anyhow, the text, the text goes, goes on. Um, so Jacob, um, I'm sorry, the, the man, the, the man of mystery says, let me go for the day has broken. Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. You got to admire Jacob's stick to itiveness. You know, he is hanging on to this guy for dear life. He says, I'm not going to let go until you give me a blessing. I think already Jacob is getting this, the, the feeling that this might be somebody from that God camp down to wherever that is. Um, but you got to admire his stick to itiveness. He's like, no, I want a blessing. And so he said, so then this man, this mystery man says, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. He says, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Another Bill Murray moment, right? You know, whenever he has that uh, kid up against the, the, the fence with the pitchfork, you know, you know, he's like, so I've got that going for me, which is nice. But in it, what a sweet thing to hear. Okay. Um, you know, this mystery man tells Jacob, I'm not going to call you Jacob anymore. I'm going to call you Israel because you strive with God and man and prevail. How do you prevail with God and man? Faithfulness. Anyhow, but the cat's out of the bag, isn't it? You know, at this point, um, this mystery man is starting to become clearer to us. It's God. And this is exactly how the inflation of human nonsense is deflated. Um, it's what we all want. It's what we all feel. We 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 all want to hear that 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 we have striven with God and we've striven with men and we've 
well, we've prevailed. Um, that's what we, we feel. We feel this striving, this, this kind of constant you know, struggle and wrestling. And, and that means with God and that means with man. It's how we feel. And, and what is told to Jacob is what we want to hear for ourselves as well. Just we want God to say, I, I see that you have striven with me and striven with you know, men, and you have prevailed. It's a very touching and very sweet thing that is being said here. And, and, and start picking up on this. Of course, Israel is going to become the name of God's people. So the whole of God's people, even today, the people of God, the Jews, as we might call them, which is, I think, a fairly strange name to give them since there were 12 tribes in Judah. The, you know, it was just one of the 12 tribes. Um, but, but, Israel is their name. And the very name of Israel, the very name of the nation, the very name of this holy family that God starts his big plan of salvation with actually means what we do not think it means. It, it is so often said, the word Israel, but so often misunderstood what it even means. And what it means, the name Israel simply means to strive with God, to strive with men and prevail. That is cool. Every day of the week, that is cool. Well, anyhow, this is going to take on the definition of God's holy family. People who strive with God and men and prevail. It's just that simple. It, you don't make it more complicated than that because it is so sweet in of itself. Okay, the text goes on. Jacob asked them, please tell me your name. And, and, and the man of mystery says, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed them. So this is funny because I've often said that, you know, if you really want to understand Genesis, you have to go to Exodus. Um, you know, where Moses asks God in the burning bush, you know, what is your name? Who should I tell them is sending me? And, uh, and, and God does reveal his name at that point. And he says, here's, here's my name. I am who I am. <laughs> what a great name. What are you expecting, Bob, Moses? Uh, but that is the name that God gives us. I am who I am. Um, and okay, so so anyhow, he you know the, that question of what God's name is is going to be reserved for uh, Moses 350 years later in this storyline. And then the story continues. Jacob called the name of that place Penel, um, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Once again, cat's out of the bag. Um, I'm going to go and take Jacob's word for it that this was God. Um, and, and not only that this is God, but Jacob recognizes that the real, the real gem with God is being delivered, that God has delivered him. So this is Jacob really growing up, just simply recognizing that God is the one who delivers him. And I would say that is the, the challenge before us all is to be faithful and to just always recognize that God is the one who delivers us. No matter how up or down life seems to be, God is with us and God 
is understands that we are striving with God and we are striving with men um, and that we have indeed prevailed because we have faith. We have faith in God who delivers us. It's just that simple. And so the, the scene goes on, the sun rises up um, and, and, and Jacob's on his way. Now he's limping. Um, and this is kind of funny in church history. Uh, the, the saints, you know, well, those who would pretend to be saints, you know, always walked with a limp in, in honor of, of Jacob. It's it. Well, anyhow. Um, but anyhow, you know, he does come away with a limp, of course, because his hip got put out of, out of place. And, and to this day, we're told that Israel didn't eat the sinew of the thigh that is the hip pocket because he touched the hip socket. And I would say this is this is great. Um, it's great to, um, you know, be kosher, to take that, you know, piece out of the meat. And as long as you're remembering what you're supposed to remember and 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 you take and, and the reason why, you know, Israel or the Jews, you know, don't eat that that piece of the meat, so to speak, around the hip, that sinew, while they cut it out, it's actually the sciatic nerve. Um, the reason why it's cut out is so that they would remember that they are people, the people who strive with God and men and prevail. It's just that simple. So it's awesome um, to set up remembrances. Okay, so the scene now um, uh, goes to the fabulous meeting of Esau. You know, I suppose ominous uh, music might be playing in the background, but but what we're going to see is completely surprising because Jacob was expecting to get you know routed to to expecting to get slaughtered, and even after the wrestling match, even after the wrestling match, Jacob is still acting like there's a lobster loose. Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, behold, saw Esau coming and 400 men with him. And so he divides his children up, Rachel and Leah, and he puts, you know, Rachel, his favorite, in the back so that she might live, you know, and, and he went out in front of them and he bows to the ground seven times to his brother. And then Esau is hilarious in the next verse. Esau, that we're told, but Esau ran to meet him. <laughs> Probably, you know, Jacob's pooping his pants, man. Esau runs to meet him, embraces him, and falls on his neck and kisses him. And they wept. All that fear for nothing. Esau, Esau he hits him like a Calvin and Hobbes cartoon, but he hits him like a Labrador retriever that hasn't seen you all day. You know, he, he like jumps on him. And, and I love the fact that he, it says that he kisses his neck, you know, so, so Jacob is putting his head to the ground and Esau jumps on him and he kisses his neck. Oh, it's beautiful. It's such a cool scene. Um, anyhow, uh, you know, so the, it's, it's, uh, you know, this wonderful meeting between the two of them. They're catching up. He's like, man, who are all these people? These are my family. And Jacob, you know, insists on giving Esau a gift. And Esau's like, I don't want no gifts from you. But anyhow, they do, you know, it is, it is interesting. You know, Esau says, come on, let's journey together. And, and uh, Jacob says, you know, I'm going to go a lot slower than you, maybe go a little different place. Um, you know, it's almost like Jacob's 
probably rightfully said, let's not ruin a good thing here. This is really good. You know, the two of us too close together, maybe we're not good for each other. So, so Jacob puts that space back in, but you know, really that's how the scene ends. And so what do we have here? Well, I think there's a few things that are really, really important for us today. Number one, God is a wrestler and God invites us to wrestle with him. It's not a problem to wrestle with God. Those who say that they're, you know, that doubting, you know, shouldn't happen if we have faith, that's not true. Our faith, God says, includes our doubts. Our faith includes our doubts, and it's okay to have doubts, and it's okay to wrestle with God. God understands it. In fact, he puts that name over top of all of us. And let's talk about that for a second. When Jesus comes onto the scene and he picks a new 12, remember the old 12 is the, uh, you know, the sons of Jacob um, and the storyline of Israel, the nation. And, and when Jesus picks a new 12, he's staying with the story but he's also breaking with the story. So there's continuity and there's discontinuity in the story when Jesus picks a new 12. And one of the things that Jesus is maintaining is that the idea behind Israel is the same, that God's people, God's family are the people in the family that wrestle with God and men and prevail. But, you know, the, uh, the food laws like uh, kosher and all of that and many other things, you know, since the nation of Israel is going to fade off into the sunset and God through Jesus Christ is now going to go into all nations, well, those food laws are going to fall away. But the idea of Israel is our idea as Christians. I think Christians very sadly misplace or misunderstand this, that we are the new Israel, but what does it mean to be the new Israel? It means that we are the people who wrestle with God and men and prevail. That's exactly what, you know, is meant. Um, and, you know, when we think about how Jesus is actually God, and we go back and read those gospels, you know, he sure doesn't mind wrestling with the crowds and those who are seemingly against him, right? I mean, you could easily characterize Jesus' life on earth as wrestling with virtually everybody, right? Everybody wants to wrestle with Jesus and Jesus gives them their turn to wrestle with him. He's very accessible and seemingly happy to wrestle, to allow, you know, people to wrestle with God and men and prevail. Jesus doesn't change a thing. In fact, those people who say that if you have faith, you should never doubt, those are fun suckers. And that kind of thinking leads us to think too much of ourselves, to think so much of ourselves that we have everything right, that we begin putting other people down. And when we are in the position of thinking that we are so right that we can put other people down, we are in the business of fanaticism. And that kind of fanaticism is the fanaticism of fun suckers, you know, whether they're Christians or whether they're, you know, just secular people, you know, whatever the case might be. Um, it's still the same. Fanaticism leads to fun sucking. The Bible, God will have none of that for us. We are meant by you know, God to wrestle with God, wrestle with people, 
and to prevail. And how do we prevail? By simply putting our faith that God is the one who delivers us and to take the joy of knowing that into our lives, even though so much of our lives at times makes little sense, but we still come back to God. Read the Psalms. The Psalms are all about struggling with God. Oh Lord, oh God, why have you forsaken me? But yet the text keeps going on to saying, but I'll put my trust in you. Read the Psalms. They all read like that as a big struggle, you know, with God. God and with men, but at the same time prevailing. And then I'll leave you with this thought too. Um, the name Israel and the name Islam um, are, are very contentious names today, but just simply think about what each one of them means. The word Israel means to wrestle with God and man and prevail, and the word Islam means to submit to God. Well, there's no doubt that we should submit to God, and that's a good thing. But would you rather hear God say to you, wrestle with me, wrestle with men, and prevail? Or would you rather just hear him say, submit to me? End of story. Well, the story that God has given us is all built around the idea that we as people are designed by God to wrestle with him and to wrestle with men and to put our trust in knowing that he is the one who will deliver us um, because we have faith in him to deliver us. Jesus doesn't change a single thing in that, and it forms such a beautiful picture for us. It's exactly what we should want. And in our heart of hearts, it is what all of us want. We want to be recognized by God, that we've been wrestling with God, but we've been wrestling with men, and we want to hear God say that we have prevailed just like Jacob heard God say. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean that you don't have any doubts. It means that you now wrestle with God and wrestle with men, knowing that indeed you will prevail because God is the one who delivers you. Jesus' death and resurrection is, is simply God delivering us, just like we heard back here. All right, that's where we're going to end. We'll catch you next time.